You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join George Brockler and Michael Fields for today's edition. We are back here with the Advanced Colorado Rundown. I'm Michael Fields here with George Brockler. That's me. And we're going to talk today about uh, this crime study that you guys did with the Common Sense Institute, thinking about uh, how important this crime study was uh, in terms of getting attention. I don't think I've seen a uh, a study get this much attention in Colorado in, in quite some time. And then obviously talking to you as an expert, uh, a former DA, somebody who uh, went through all the numbers on this. And so uh, this study came out, what, a, a month ago or so? About that, yeah. Um, and so I guess, what do we need to know from this study? Well, first off, but before we get too far into the details, I just want to tell people, you can go to commonsenseinstituteco.org, commonsenseinstituteco.org, and you can look at the study yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. And the numbers don't lie. They are just the numbers. And you're right, Michael, that this study, when it came out, got significant traction across the state. In fact, it even got picked up nationally at a couple places. And that's, I think, a reflection of what people are feeling. They're seeing this, the outcome of the study and saying, oh, my God, that's exactly what we're sensing is going on in our communities. And the short answer is this thing that we're experiencing in Colorado is no less than a crime tsunami. It is sweeping over the state. And depending upon what part of uh, crime you want to talk about, the numbers demonstrate that we have been on an upward trajectory for crime per capita. And that's important to know because it's not just an increasing number of crimes, which is bad, but our population has been increasing. This is per capita. And so in almost every category you can look at, you see an uptick in crime. And it didn't start during the pandemic. It started about 10-ish years ago. It just got on steroids during the lockdowns. So what are some of these crimes that are going up? Uh, I know there's a talk about property taxes, auto thefts, violent crimes. What are these kind of numbers are looking like? Ridiculous numbers. In fact, let's just take um, property crimes, for instance, and we'll call out car thefts. Uh, We went from 10 years ago being below the national average in terms of per capita car thefts to today, we lead every other state in America in, in the number of cars that are stolen per capita. In fact, I think the FBI report that we also used Um, said that we were at 213% the national average. That's crazy. Um, If you look at the violent crimes, both the numbers of murders that have been committed in Denver and Aurora, just take two of the the three largest cities in the state of Colorado, they're reaching historic levels. And when I say historic, I don't mean the highest ever, but the highest in over a quarter century. Uh, These trends have continued not just with uh, murder, but with all of the, I'm going to call them downstream crimes of violence, through attempt murder, through manslaughter, through all of the other crimes of violence that we've delineated. You see an uptick in these crimes that is pretty significant. So crimes going up, uh, does does that mean that more people are in prison? Oh, no, no, no. In fact, the other thing that we tried to do, and listen, I knew crime was going up anecdotally and just from the numbers within our own office, and, and I'll give you a quick example, is the DA for the 18th Judicial District, which is the most populous in the state, 1.1 million people covering four counties. Uh, when I took over the first year I was in office, we filed about 3,500, 3,500 felonies. And then by the last year I was in office, that number had increased to about 5,400 felonies. That is not specific or unique to the 18th. Every DA's office saw something similar to that, and that is coinciding with 
this let's clear out the prisons, let's keep the jails empty philosophy that uh, the people who are in charge of the Gold Dome right now and have been for several sessions now are really fixated on. We closed down a couple prisons under Governor Hickenlooper, forced the remaining populations from those prisons into the existing prison infrastructure, and then we started screaming, oh my gosh, it's overcrowded, oh my God, we have overcrowding. And the truth of the matter is we're having fewer people in prison for a shorter period of time, less people on the front end staying in jail after arrested, and it's either coincidence or it's uh, causation, but we're seeing this huge uptick in crime, both violent crime and property crime across the state. So if I'm a, a police officer, law enforcement, and I see, uh, you know, the work that I'm doing uh, might arrest somebody and then, you know, a few days later or a few months later, see these people back on the street doing the exact same thing, I guess, and really, this is also at a time when um, you have state legislators, you know, really going after uh, law enforcement, trying to demoralize them in a lot of ways. I guess, what has the impact been uh, to law enforcement? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, someone smarter than I am smart said that um, this isn't about defunding the police. This is about demoralizing the police. And so all of this stuff is taking place at a time when our guardians, our protectors out there on the street have uh, fewer numbers than they've ever had. I mean, my God, Aurora is a 750-person strong agency. I think they had 150 openings over the last two years since we started offering up Senate Bill Hate the Cops and uh, passing different things to say, by the way, we don't trust you so much, we want you to be personally liable for the mistakes you make on the road. All of that taking place at a time where, as you pointed out, these cops are busting their butts, men and women, to find someone who stole your car. Bring them to justice so that they face the music but they don't even get to go to jail because of the governor's edicts and because of efforts at this no cash bail stuff that the legislature has continued to push on for years. It ends up becoming this revolving door. And, and if you're looking for anecdotes, and I know our legislature seems to react more to anecdotes than real data, but we've got both here. You got guys from CMAT who are the statewide uh, auto motor carrier theft people stuff. They will tell you that they've arrested people who are sitting on two, three, four warrants for car thefts where they didn't get to go to jail, but they were told to come to court, and lo and behold, they didn't. And these guys will tell them, I know I'm not going to jail. I know you're just going to basically give me the equivalent of a summons and cut me loose. They'll arrest someone who they picked up the night before within the next, or maybe the next day on a car theft. So all of this stuff is coinciding with these policies that are designed to tell cops, one, we don't trust you as much, we don't love you as much, and by the way, all of your efforts aren't that important to us. And here's the key word that gets used. It was used with marijuana, now it's used with property crimes, and that is just. The legislature uses just, and they say, well, it's just car theft. Well, it's just burglary. Well, it's just a business this. Well, it's just this. When you do that, you diminish the value of following that law, not just to law enforcement, but to the surrounding community. And this is what we get. And I think that's a great point of the impact that this has on the community. When you say just, you kind of lower uh, what that means to the individual person, the uh, the community. You've dealt with a lot of victims in terms of you know having to to, to try these different cases through the years, and, and dealt with a lot of uh, the impact that that these crimes have on victims. I guess what can you speak a little bit to you know the fact that kind of we're losing the face of the people who are being impacted by this? Well, every year I was the elected DA, um, I would say, based on the legislative session, this was the most offender-friendly legislative session we've ever had. And every single year I said it, I was proven right. And that continues with last year. We have very few bills that ever address through the criminal justice system making things easier or better 
for victims, making them more well-informed, holding offenders more accountable. It has been the opposite. We have been on this trend of finding a way to blame everyone else except the offender for their conduct, and we've watered down sentencing. We've taken away crime. Here's what we're going to see, by the way, after this 110-year sentence for the dude that killed four people by setting them on fire, slamming his truck into the back of him after he burned out his brakes on I-70. You'll remember that. Now there's this talk about the legislature saying, well, you know what? We need to take away mandatory prison. We need to take away mandatory consecutive sentences for multiple victims. That is on brand for the Democrats in charge of the, and and not just all Democrats, some Republicans too, on brand for parts of the legislature that have control right now to simply say, uh, we, we are more concerned about the impact of the system on offenders than we are about offenders on victims. And that just doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't feel like Colorado. You know, you think about uh, what's happening at the state level, and you brought it, it's, you know, it's both Democrats and Republicans that are pushing some of these policies. That's true. But then on the local level, uh, you know, you did the study with, with former DA in Denver, Mitch Moore. Democrat. Yeah, DA, Democrat Mitch, Mitch Morrissey. Um, and, you know, you see some of these DAs that are dealing with this day in and day out in certain counties, regardless of their party, have a very different view than the state legislators do. So you think about, you know, there's kind of bipartisanship on both sides of, of this debate. But I guess, you know, why aren't the, the people dealing with this day in and day out the Mitch Morrissey's of the world listen to more? I think because we're at this inflection point right now where, first off, the the social woke folks, and there are some in the Republicans who subscribe to aspects of this, they're in control. They have the momentum. They dominate social media. They have the ear of the news stations. And we had that post-George Floyd kind of swept the country, and, and Colorado wasn't immune from it, this move towards saying, Our entire criminal justice system is broken. It's racist. It needs to be undone. And we need to start over. My God, we even heard people talk about let's replace the police with community service huggers. Or I don't know what the term was, but they wanted to send people out to talk people from using guns. Or so I don't know what it was. But um, you see that going on. And in the last DA election, we saw this. There was a move towards putting more people into district attorney's offices who subscribe to that socially woke, less prison, more hugs for for offenders kind of a mentality. And so you see a real split like we've never seen before between Denver and Arapaho or Jeffco and El Paso County. And I think the other thing, the untold story for all this that we need to get to at some point is these lax decisions, these offender-friendly decisions that places like Denver and Jeffco make – they don't just affect Denver and Jeffco. They spread everywhere throughout the metro area. I think that's an interesting point in terms of do you, you know, and, and I know what your opinion probably will be on this, but um, do you, do criminals know the law? And you know, when when you lessen something or you make something less of a crime, uh, do these criminals understand that, know that, act accordingly? Uh, you know, based on policy. These are not morons, not all of them. I mean, we catch the the ones that are a little dimmer and unluckier, but they know how the system works. Even if they don't know the details of the law, they know how they're friends and they get treated by the law if and when they're caught. And, and I, I mean, there are a billion anecdotes when we in the 18th were much harder on drug dealers than Denver ever was. We would hear people get picked up on a wire or we would grab them up when they'd done a deal and they were going to jail and they'd say, wait, 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 no, I'm north of Colfax. It's like, no, you're not. You're saying, no, no, I don't want to be in the 18th. I don't want to be in this part of Arapahoe County because they knew that same thing we have heard repeated over and over again with car thieves, with business burglars. My God, since uh, the juvenile code has been sort of rewritten to say we're never, ever going to hold juveniles accountable for anything they do. That's an over-exaggeration, by the way. 
we have seen a trend in Aurora where more and more of the gangs and the organized crime have pushed all of their burglaries down to juveniles because they know the consequences are so de minimis. Um, so, yeah, they, the, the offenders may not know the details of the law. They may not ever listen to anything Governor Polis of the legislature says, but they know how the system works and they react to it. One question that I, that I wanted to get to is looking at, we know that we're at a 25-year high for violent crimes that, you know, we talked about property and auto uh, thefts are higher, but our recidivism rate, we're fourth worst in, in the country, people that reoffend. My question is, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, there's been talk in the news about these different stories and sentencing, don't understand how sentencing works and figure that, you know what, if somebody gets, uh, you know, seven to 10 years, they're going to serve seven to 10 years. What actually happens here in Colorado? I think people ought to know that short of a first-degree murder conviction that results in life without the possibility of parole, uh, there is no truth in sentencing in the state of Colorado. And every number you hear come out of a judge's mouth, every number you read in the paper or hear on TV is fake. And it's fake in this way. A crime of violence, the statute currently says, hey, you have to serve 75% of whatever number the judge says for your sentencing. But what they don't tell you is that can be watered down by earned time, good time, classes you take to the point where in reality for a crime of violence like attempt murder or second degree murder, you end up serving just about 50 percent of your sentence before you become parole eligible. And this parole board, as we've seen with the fake immigration doctrine, Aurora, Mm -hmm. they're just turning people out right and left. I'd like to see who they reject for parole at this point. If it's a non-crime of violence, like a repeat burglar, car thief, drug dealer, you end up serving about a third of your sentence before you become parole eligible. We need real truth in sentencing. We don't have it here in Colorado. Can you talk a little bit more about that case uh, that you were talking about, the fake immigration one, and what happened there? Yeah, this one really, really bothers me because um, when I was the district attorney, we had found a guy who we'd really been looking for but hadn't been able to track down for some time. He was a guy who would hold himself out to mostly Vietnamese families as an an immigration doctor. He would force his way into their homes, say that he needed to conduct some sort of um, health check, and he would sexually assault young girls and even women as old as 50. Uh, He finally got caught, finally, and some brave victims finally got prosecuted by our office, refused to take responsibility, got convicted, sentenced by a judge, declared to be a sexually violent predator. That's a big term. Sentenced to 23 years to life in prison, about 10 years later, he was cut loose to go back to the candy store that's known as Aurora, and lo and behold, the dude has now been rearrested for um, allegedly assaulting, sexually assaulting a seven-year-old Latina girl. The parole board cut this guy loose at less than half of a 23-year-to-life sentence, declaring that, well, some doctor said he was safe to go back to the community. We put an ankle monitor on him. So lo and behold, the result was this repeat offender, good for about 10 victims before he was cut loose from prison, was able to sexually assault a 7-year-old Latina girl with an ankle monitor on. That's what happened. And I think that story didn't get quite as much attention as the the trucker story, which I think it deserved it oh way more. Um, you know, in terms of of the impact that can have on on the community, the process that we have here in Colorado. So I totally agree with you. Truth and sentencing has to be uh, something that we talk about that we deal with in the upcoming years. Obviously, this crime tsunami, the issues that you've been talking about today, aren't going away anytime soon. So can you tell uh, the listeners again where to go to look at that crime study? Yeah, and and take it apart, tear it apart. Tell me where the numbers went wrong here. But it's it's um 
commonsenseinstituteco.org.org, commonsenseinstitute.org. And by the way, that's not the only awesome study they have, but this nonpartisan nonprofit group that puts this stuff together, they put out some incredible things. This just happens to be the one that has really caught fire because I think most Coloradans are looking around saying, I get it, I'm living it. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, uh, go to your local podcasting platform, the one that I use is Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the millions of others out there. Download it, subscribe to it, share it with your listener base, with your friends, with your family, and let's get this thing going. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org.